Right, let's open our Bibles. We made our way to Acts chapter 12. Uh, we're working our way through the book of Acts, and Acts is the uh, essentially the first 30 years of the church as it was born after Jesus rose again. And really, it's, um, it's described as the, often as the Acts of the Apostles, so the early uh, disciples and uh, what they did. But really, it's the Acts of the risen Jesus seated on his throne. It's him having sent his Holy Spirit to work and to build a beautiful church and, and make a beautiful bride for himself. So it, it's that Jesus, he has risen again. He hasn't stopped working, but he is continuing to work. And 2,000 years later, Jesus is still at work. And we see that all around the world. We see the, the global church at work, loving God, loving people. And we're there in Acts 12. We've titled the series From Neighbors to Nations. And there's that sense of we are on mission together. And we're on mission in our neighborhoods, in, you know, with those who are close to us, maybe at, uh, in our neighborhoods, at work, family, friends, but also into the nations. Uh, we recently sent off uh, Ben and Sarah to uh, Frankfurt uh, to be a part of the, the church plant there. And we had a call with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. Those guys are doing, doing great. They'd appreciate prayer for settling in, finding friends, and, and uh, really pressing into what God has for them there. But they're doing well. So they wanted to say hey and uh, just to say that they love, you, love us all um, and, uh, yeah, appreciate our prayers for them. So... Let's dive into Acts 12 then. We've got a, lot, a fairly longish narrative again. We'll go from uh, verse 1 to verse 19. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had people of Tyre... No, no, he didn't. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So they were all gathered together for the, for the Passover feast. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That's our key verse today. We're going to hone in uh, on that verse. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak round you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the second, uh, first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. 
When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your minds, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door, uh, opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful story of the way that you move, the way that you bring about supernatural things, wonderful things as a result of your people praying. And we ask this morning that you would stir our hearts, that you would uh, speak to us, that we'd hear everything that you have to say for us, Lord, collectively, but also individually. Give us soft hearts, good ears to listen to what your word is saying. And we pray you'd change us and stir us as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. Okay, so this story is roughly 10 years after Jesus has resurrected. So they've had 10 years of telling people about Jesus, seeing new believers become disciples, start following Jesus, churches planted. So we've had 10 years of that. Right at the start of the story here we, say, we see about King Herod uh, arresting some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So Herod targets a key player within the life of the church. Maybe start to imagine what, what might that have felt like for the church at the time. To have one of the key leaders, but one of the people who was there right at the start. What would, what would that have looked like? What would that have felt like uh, for them? He's the second recorded martyr after Stephen. So we read about him a few uh, chapters ago. And I think here they would have feared that Peter was going to be next. They would have felt that. Targeting the top. I think Herod would have felt, look, if we target these top guys, the key people, actually everyone else is going to be scattered. Christianity is going to be the end of that. And we can carry on with our lives. So Peter was in in prison, awaiting his execution. He was probably in there for at least a week. Peter's family was probably worried. His wife, his brother Andrew, tradition says that he had a daughter. Their dad, their husband in prison. How might they have felt? I wonder what you might be tempted to do in this situation. Would you be scrambling around, checking your bank account? Like, can we get bail? Can we get, can we get our friend, our family member out? Would you appeal the arrest? Would you go to the authorities and say, please let him go? What are you, what are you doing? 
would you be anxious? Would you sort of, would you just sort of hide away and just like, I can't cope with this situation? Would you do nothing? I wonder if you'd go prison break style, <laughs> try and get your family out. Well, what does it say that the church did? There in verse 5, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That's how the church responds to crisis. They pray. They go straight to prayer, and they were earnestly praying for him. You can imagine this sense of just regular times of prayer throughout the day, throughout the week. Look, let's gather together. They would have been gathering in people's homes around the city you can think of life groups. You can think of families gathering together, of friends getting together in people's homes and praying, praying earnestly for Peter, praying that the kingdom would be advanced through it. That's my first point. The church earnestly prays. It's one of the defining factors about the church. If the church doesn't pray, then what are they really doing, if they're not interacting with the God who saved them and has adopted them, and, and if the church is the bride of Christ, if they're, not, if they're not going straight to their groom, to their God, to pray at times of crisis, then something is seriously out of kilter there. These people prayed. We see that all the way through Acts. I'll just give you a bit of a flavor for uh, the church praying. We see in Acts chapter 1 that they constantly prayed together. Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness to witness, and the Holy Spirit came. Acts chapter 10, Peter was praying before God gave him a vision, and he went to Cornelius, and the gospel went out to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 6, we see uh, they were praying before choosing leaders and great growth resulted. Acts chapter 9, they prayed for signs and wonders, resulting in more growth, more disciples. Acts chapter 13, they prayed before setting aside the first church planting team of Paul and Barnabas. Acts chapter 14, they prayed before setting aside new believers in new churches as leaders. Acts chapter 16, they prayed in prison, resulting in the conversion of the jailer's household and their family. Acts chapter 20, they prayed when departing from a church that they had planted. Acts chapter 21, praying when commending Paul to a dangerous situation and certain imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. Acts chapter 22, praying in worship and receiving guidance as to future ministry plans. And Acts chapter 28, really right at the end of Acts, praying for more signs and wonders. 30 years after Jesus had done the most miraculous thing of rising again and conquering Satan's sin and death, they're still hungry for more of the supernatural, hungry for more of God's power to be at work in their midst. And the challenge for us is that if we want to see a God-empowered church, it will require God's power. It will require much prayer. If we want to see weekly salvations as we've been stirring ourselves to believe for more salvations, more new believers, more new disciples, we need a work of the Spirit first and foremost. 
if we want to see monthly baptisms, a regular sense of new life, and that new life, that first step in following Jesus. We need God's conviction to be amongst us, that this is important and valuable. If we want to see people sent to plant churches in places that uh, maybe are not comfortable or just moving away from where we're used to in our own comfortable families and, and friends and situations, actually that's going to take a work of God to do that. If we want to see more signs and wonders like the early church did, we need to be praying for signs and wonders, praying for God to move. All these things, those things that I mentioned just there, they are impossible for us. We can't work harder to create those. There's no sense of anything that we can do that's going to force that to happen or guarantee it to happen. But Luke chapter 18, 27, Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus is speaking there about salvation. He's speaking about actually for someone to start following Jesus. That's a work of the Spirit. That's God breaking in. It's impossible for man to bring that about. But what is impossible for man is possible with God. And that's why we pray. That's why the church earnestly prays. We would do well to pray more and do less. Yeah, the temptation can be, okay, (laughs) the temptation can be, can't it, to do more or to go into action mode. Let's just do this, do more things. Why don't we do that? Let's first pray. Let's be a people who are known for prayer and then let's step out on the back of that, of God's guiding, of God's leading. If God says go and do that, let's go and do that. But let's not do that until God said do that. Let's be a people of prayer. We know for certainty, it says in 2 Peter, uh, that God wants everyone to come to repentance. In Matthew 16, it says that God will build his church. In 1 John 5, it says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us and will give us what we request. If those promises are true, which we, as Christians, we hold wholeheartedly to, We need to be a people of prayer. That's really exciting. To take hold of those truths. We might, in in our dark moments or just on our own, think, oh, I haven't got the faith for that. But often when we gather with other Christians to pray, our faith rises. Our sense of expectation of what God is going to do rises in our hearts. And we start praying prayers that we think, oh, I didn't realize I had faith for that. But God, would you do it? So, we see the early church. They're a church who prays. We see the church throughout history has been earnest in prayer. So, come with me to 1949, to a small cottage by the roadside in the village of Barvas in the Hebrides. In this cottage lived two elderly women, Peggy and Christine Smith. They were 84 and 82 years old, Peggy was blind and her sister almost bent double with arthritis. So because of these things, they couldn't attend public worship. They couldn't attend a gathering like this. So their humble cottage became a place where they devoted themselves to prayer. To them, 
during this season came the promise from Isaiah 44, where God says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. They sensed God speaking about revival, about God moving and doing something new in their midst, in their generation. And so they pleaded day and night in prayer. One night, Peggy had a revelation along those lines that revival was coming and the church of her fathers would be crowded again with young people. She sent for the minister, the Reverend James Murray Mackey, I think, and told him what God had shown her, asking him to call his elders and deacons together for special times of waiting upon God. What wonderful, bold ladies. Call the minister Come on, we need to be praying. The minister did exactly that. And one night, as they were gathered, waiting upon God, a young deacon rose and read part of the 24th Psalm. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord." Turning to the others, he said, Brethren, it seems to me just so much humbug. So that's just something that's false. It's false. In, he's sensing a falseness in his heart. Uh, to be waiting and praying as we are, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God, then lifting his hands toward heaven, he cried, Oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? He got no, no further but fell prostrate to the floor. An awareness of God filled the barn and a stream of supernatural power was let loose in their lives. The beginnings of revival. And they experienced three years of this sense of supernatural power, of the presence of God in their midst, in their homes, in their church gatherings. There was a hunger for God. Are you thirsty for that? For more of God. For God to move in that sense. In that, there were salvations in that. Um, in that there was, there was lives being recommitted to God. There was healings. It was a great witness. It was God breaking down barriers that people had put up to him. God, just breaking them down one after the next. God, we need you to do that. God, we need you to do that in this time, in our generation, in this community, in our neighborhoods, at the UEA. We need you, God, to break in, to bring down the walls. So prayer proceeded and sustained this Hebridean revival. Two faithful women. Let's sense that stirring in our hearts. God has been speaking to us about prayer recently. I know we've been speaking a lot as elders about it. I know uh, Steph at our last Together Sunday, Steph Liston spoke about prayer and stirred us and provoked us from the scriptures about prayer. It was described at this Hebridean revival that it was persistent prayer. It was prayers of necessity, audacity, daring and agonizing prayer. They called it travailing 
prayer. And they talked about Galatians 4, where it says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's Paul speaking about just a hunger for the people, a desire to see God formed in them. And it led him to prayer. These stories provoke me to prayer. I've asked Jacinta to share a couple of stories um, from her own life of where she's interacted with God in prayer and with others. So, Jacinta, do you want to come up? Can we grab that mic, Stuart? Is that okay? For... Should we welcome Jacinta? Um, uh, oh, so thanks, Paul. Um, I've got a couple, two testimonies. Hopefully it won't be too long. Um, so um, I've just kind of prayer being answered in different ways. So a few years ago, I um, had a couple of part-time jobs, and one of them was in a bakery, which sounds really like idyllic and lovely, but it was actually a very, very horrible place to work. Um, <laughs> The person who owned it was very kind of mean and uh, really wanted to squeeze maximum efficiency out of all the employees at all times. And it was like very toxic, very difficult place to work. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really hard. Um, but, you know, I maybe God is calling me to be here to be salt and light and, you know, showing a different way and changing this toxic culture and all this stuff. But then at the same time, it was like very horrible. And I was just going back and forth, back and forth with this. So I took it to Life Group um, at Beth and Jamie's house. We prayed about it together. They were like, okay, we need to pray about this. And I think Beth, well, definitely someone there prayed, um, God, I pray that you would just open the doors that need to be open and close the doors that need to be closed. And I think it was the very next day, I was fired. <laughs> and I had an email that was like, yesterday was your last day working for us. Don't come in anymore. You'll get paid till the end of the week, but don't come back. And it was such a relief. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, that was probably one of the like quickest, most clear answers to prayer that I've ever had that was like, there is no doubting what this answer is. And it was definitely the right thing. Um, I think a great example of pray more, do less, because I was kind of starting to make my own little plan. And, you know, we, we make plans in our heart, but God establishes our steps. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be here. And actually God was like, no, get out. Um, so I started another job. And um, on my commute, there was this building that I walked past that reminded me of Sims boss it didn't like look like him but it reminded me of him and um, I just started praying for him every day and um, they had opened a new coffee shop recently so I was like praying for that and praying um, all these various things like usually twice a day on my walk to and from work and I was kind of like this was very unusual for me I, if anybody knows me well, you know that I really, really struggle with organization and remembering things. And usually I really struggle to pray persistently for things because I just forget. And um, I was like, okay, I'm praying persistently, but why? Like, I don't really know this guy. And I'm praying for him twice every day. And like, 
why aren't I praying for like my sister or someone closer to me or all this other stuff? But I just kept on doing it. Um, and then lockdown happened, so I wasn't going into work anymore. So I just stopped and completely forgot about it because I didn't have the visual cue right in front of me. Um, and I thought no more of it. Um, but actually, when Sim and his boss had to close the coffee shops because of lockdown, they prayed together. And he's not, um, Sim's boss, like, isn't a Christian. Or, well, I think, <laughs> complicated. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they prayed together. And then when they were able to open the shops back up with social distancing and just doing takeaways, Sim's boss was like, oh, well, you know, if we prayed when we closed the shops, we better pray when we open them again. And they prayed together again. And um, I had been praying that, you know, they would, that they would be, that he would be reaching out to God and that he would be seeking God in his business and that there would be prosperity in the business and that he would know that that was attributed to God and to, like, Jesus at work. And, um, like, Sim would be coming home during that time and being like, I took a record amount of money today. And then there was like, be a new record the next day and the next day. And obviously there's a whole, I don't want to get into like prosperity gospel or anything, but like I had prayed that that would happen and that it, that it would be rightly attributed to God. Um, and that they would be like welcomed in the communities where they open new shops. And it was insane, the, like people in the community and their dedication to like even walk across the city after they had moved and come back and get their coffee there. Um, so that was then, but it didn't really occur to me that that was answer to my prayer because I had kind of forgotten that I'd been praying for that for such a long time. And then I was like, oh, I was just thinking like, this is really weird and bizarre. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I actually prayed for this man and for this place twice every day for like over a year. Um, and even now, there's testimony of staff like Johnny and Sarah, pals with one of the staff there. I know that Johnny's shared his testimony with him, that they've been having great conversations. And there's another girl who I think is at St. Tom's like right now, who was like just saying to Sim, oh, I've decided to go to church this Sunday. Um, and it's so amazing. Um, and yeah, I think it's something where obviously in my previous in the like when I was at bakery and I had that it was like the next day that answer and it was so clear and this for a long time I didn't even think that this could be my prayers being related to it and it's still kind of open-ended and obviously putting more prayer into it and it's like what is God doing here and and, and yeah I, I, I am able to tell this testimony now as this is a testimony of an amazing answer prayer but even while it was being answered I didn't realize that. So there could be times even now where our prayers are being answered and we don't even recognize because we're maybe looking for a certain different answer. Um, and, it, and God is, you know, working and doing amazing things. Thanks. Um, this is how Jesus works. His wonderful actions in our lives, in the lives of others, are preceded by the prayers of God's people. And it's not our faithfulness that, that does it. It's not, it's not anything to do with our good works that please God and in the sense of forcing his hand. 
but he loves to partner with us. He's drawn to faith in him. It's just what his, his father heart is drawn to, to his, his children who come to him and ask him of things. Dads love that. Mums love that when, the, when their children come to them and, and desire something. You want to be able to give those things to them. It draws your heart out as a parent. So prayer precedes God's work. And I just want to stir us and encourage us. And uh, we do as, as elders want to provoke us to prayer. To be a people who pray regularly, not just privately, but corporately as well. And just want to encourage us towards some practical uh, opportunities. Um, so Saturday mornings, once a month, we pray, usually the first Saturday of the month, uh, at half eight to half nine, that's here um, at the school. Um, Friday mornings, uh, every week, uh, at half six, Stuart, you lead a prayer gathering with Andy from Mile Cross. Um, at half six, that's for an hour on Zoom. Um, so we'll start getting the link out on the Loop Weekly uh, email for that. Just want to prod a little bit, um, just in terms of our, our hearts. I think we can all struggle with committing to things, can't we? I, I'm like this as well. There are certain things that I'm like, um, like we pray as elders uh, every Wednesday uh, morning at half six for an hour. Um, half six just seems so early. Um, and it seems even earlier when you've got kids who are up in the night. Um, and so there was, a, there was a season where it just felt like it didn't really work for me. I was just like knackered and couldn't really think about it. Um, but just felt a couple of months ago provoked and stirred again. No, actually, come on. Like, you know, the kids are a, a little bit older now. Come on, you can, you can press into this. And so I've been going along and just... Yeah, just blessed by it, blessed to gather with others to pray. There's always a reason to not gather to pray. It might be a sense of thinking, oh, I just would love another lion, or I've been tired from the week, or, or you know, a, a whole host of different reasons. Let's make every effort to gather together as regularly as we can to pray. We will see God move on the back of it. Maybe those gatherings you can't make. You just literally physically can't make them. Not because you're still in bed, but because you just physically, you just can't do them. Um, don't give up so easily. Let us know what time would work for you. Let us know. Let's get a group of people gathering to pray with you regularly. Come on, let's not give up. Let's not put things in place. Let's not just go, oh, well, that doesn't work for me, so that it's just off the cards for me. No, let's pray together. Let's do everything we can because we want to see God glorified. We want to see people saved. We want to see this community, the lives of our neighbors, our friends, family changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know you want that as well. So God would want to stir us. Let's seek him for that. Let's ask and we will receive. Let's knock. Come on, let's be persistent in our praying. God loves that.
just as we finish, I just want to encourage us that the, the early church, they, they kept their, their prayers focused on God and on the Trinitarian God. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see this in Romans. Uh, it's, um, where is it? Romans chapter 8. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 27, it says that in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts, that's God, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It's the Holy Spirit being involved in, in our lives, in our, in our prayer lives, stirring us to pray, praying uh, on our behalf. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. It's so precious, the Holy Spirit being involved in our prayer lives. We then read just a couple of verses on, verse 31, um, and we'll read to verse 34. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, so this God the Father, didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. That's the Father's heart. As we pray, as we seek him, his heart is to give. He gave his, his son. Therefore, why will he not give us all things? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of, of God and is also interceding for us. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans and, and Jesus also is seated at the right hand of the Father and is interceding for us and he never ceases to pray for us. And God the Father is a giving God. The early church prayed these, with, the, with these truths close to their hearts. Let's be a church who hold that true to our hearts. That we're interacting with a God who loves us, is for us. A God who goes before us. A God who desires to pour out his blessings. A God who desires to move and act. A God who desires to save. A God who desires to be glorified. Who desires to bring life in situations where it seems like there's only death. To bring hope in situations where it seems like it's hopelessness. To bring health out of uh, ill health. To bring life in all of its fullness. That is God's desire. So in our lives, where we think, oh, they're beyond saving, or this situation is beyond God's hope or God's help, let's stir our hearts. Let's read Scripture and say, no, God, you are above this. You do want to press through in this. You do want us to call one another together to pray, to seek God. Let's be a church who do that. Let's stand.
Johnny, Sarah. Let's follow this up in our life groups. Let's obviously be praying in those groups as well. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group. There are weekly gatherings where we get to do life together, encourage one another, talk about this stuff. How are we going to work this out in our lives? What barriers are there in our hearts and our lives that stop us from gathering with others to pray? So let's do that as well. But Jesus, we pray for your help in this, that you would stir us afresh. Please lead us as a church. We really ask for your, for your blessing and for you to be glorified, Jesus. We ask for that in our lives, please. As that, uh, that guy in, in Scotland prayed, Lord, that he wanted to be pure before you. He wanted to have a right heart before you. Jesus, we say that for ourselves as well, Lord. Please purify us. Please purify us. Help us honor you in our lives, in our thoughts. Help us, help us come to you, Jesus, the one who died for us. The one who mediates on our behalf. The one who says, yeah, Paul, he loves you. He's your child. He's welcomed in. You're a wonderful Savior, a wonderful Father. Thank you so much that you intercede for us. And even now, Lord, as we pray, as we worship, we are joining with you. We are joining in with, with Christians throughout the ages who have gone to be with you. A great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, Lord. Stir us to prayer, Lord Jesus. We don't want to just be, Lord, a few weeks, great, we've uh, made some progress there, Lord. We want for years to come to be a people of prayer, a people who pray, a people who passionately devote ourselves to prayer, to asking you for, for you to be glorified, Jesus. So please stir our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.